I want, I want, I want me, 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 mine, 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 now, now, now. You know you're responsible for what you hear. You know you're responsible for what you hear. Greetings and welcome to Thoughts from a Hairy Head, the podcast where I talk about, well, whatever happens to be bouncing around inside my head at the moment, but mostly talking about constitutional issues and political decentralization. This is episode 149 of Thoughts from a Hairy Head, and I appreciate you tuning in. In this episode, I'm going to be talking about some folks who had to take some bitter medicine. Well, hello, hello, hello. I'm coming to you this Sunday morning from next to my mom's pool. I'm actually staying with her right now. We're in the process of trying to move ourselves down to the Jacksonville, Florida area, and I really don't have an office. So we're doing this outside because inside it's really, really echoey and that gets on my nerves. Uh, But outside obviously has its share of challenges as well. So if you hear airplanes, random water noises, birds, cicadas, people talking. That's what's going on. But hey, we're getting an episode out, so I actually didn't think I would be able to get one out this week, and here we are. So, you know, kudos to me. (laughs) Anyway, I wanted to share a little story with you guys that uh, I thought was kind of interesting. Like I said, I'm down here. I'm actually in Fernandina Beach, which is north of Jacksonville on Amelia Island, And I went with my mom to a meeting of local activists last week. And uh, the issue at hand is uh, some land development. I won't get into all the gory details, but in a nutshell, uh, a developer managed to get a land use change in order to encroach on some environmentally sensitive land that had been set aside for environmental protection. And the city council gave him a variance or a waiver in order to go ahead and and build slightly into this protected corridor. And so uh, some of the environmental-minded folks uh, ended up filing a lawsuit. And the interesting part of this to me is the judge's decision. So basically what he said without getting into all of the details is that when the city interprets an ordinance, and, and that's what the land use map is. It's, it's basically the law, uh, so it's supposed to be set in stone. But the judge said that when a government interprets the ordinance in a certain way, the courts have to defer to the government's decision. So basically, the government decides, um, and it is allowed to reinterpret the law as it goes along. And this reminded me an awful lot of all of the people who believe in, believe in this idea of the living, breathing Constitution. It's the same thing. You know, we make up the understanding of the Constitution. We make up what it means as we go along. And 
the irony here is, of course, when you deal with environmental type issues, predominantly the people that are supporting such things are uh, tend to be on the left. Not all of them, but uh, environmentalism is definitely a more left uh, type issue. And certainly listening to the folks at this meeting, that was true here. And I thought it was kind of ironic that these folks just got a nasty dose of their own medicine because I guarantee you that the vast majority of them believe in this living, breathing constitution concept because, you know, they want the government to do things for them. In order for the federal government to do things, you have to reinterpret the constitution to expand government power. And so progressives have spent decades uh, pushing this idea. But by golly, when it gets used against them, when this idea gets used against them, they don't like it so much. And you know, granted, this isn't a constitutional issue, it's an interpretation of city law, but it's the same difference. When you have a law, it has to have a set meaning. It has to have a meaning that's rooted in its intent, or it's utterly useless. What's the point of even having it? Why not let the government just make it up as it goes along? Because that's basically what you're doing. And of course, you know, James Madison talked about the absurdity of this living, breathing constitution concept. And uh, I'm, I'm going to try to read this. It's hard for me to see my computer screen because of the way the uh, microphone is set up here. But uh, James Madison said this about the Constitution. He said, I entirely concur in the propriety of resorting to the sense in which the Constitution was accepted and ratified by the nation. In that sense alone, it is the legitimate Constitution. And if that be not the guide in expounding it, there can be no security for a consistent and stable more than for a faithful exercise of its powers. If the meaning of the text be sought in the changeable meaning of the words composing it, it is evident that the shape and attributes of the government must partake of the changes to which the words and phrases of all living languages are constantly subject. What a metamorphosis would be produced in the code of law if all of the ancient phraseology to were, be, were to be taken in its modern sense. So, yeah, you can't have living breathing because, as, as Madison put it, you can't have a consistent and stable exercise of government power. It becomes arbitrary. It becomes whatever the government says it is. And when it becomes whatever ever the government says it is, ultimately, that power is going to be used against you. Keep in mind that the whole point of having a written constitution was so that the government would be constrained in its powers. The colonists had lived under this system where Parliament basically interpreted the Constitution and expanded the Constitution. What the Parliament said was what the Constitution meant. The colonists wanted nothing to do with that. After the Revolutionary War, the Americans wanted nothing to do with that. They wanted a system where the powers of government were written down, constrained, and set in stone. But when you allow judges and bureaucrats and other, other government officials to simply decide what it means as they go along, well, then it's then it's meaningless. And these poor folks that are trying to, uh, you know, keep the protected land protected, as was intended by the statute, uh, you find out real quick that when you allow the government to make that interpretation, uh, it's, it's not going to end up working out well in your favor. And here's the bigger lesson. You know, I've said this over and over. I've seen like, I feel like I've been hammering on this uh, particular theme for months and months now. But when you take down fences, you can't put them up again. You can't expect the animals to stay in the area where the fence was after you take the fence down. So, you know, when you take down 
a restriction on government power because you like the policy that it's going to implement, then you're never going to have that barrier again. And the government will again be able to use that power however it sees fit. And the next time it uses it, it's probably not going to be in a way that you like. So you're much better off leaving the fence in place. Yes, fences are inconvenient. Fences keep you constrained, but that's the whole point. Because once you get rid of the constraints, they're gone forever. And once they're gone, then you have an expanded government power that's going to be used against you. You can't let the inmates run the asylum, and that's essentially the system of governance that we're sliding towards very, very quickly, whether you're talking about constitutions or or the interpretation of statutes. And, you know, like I said, the intent of that statute was clearly to keep that land protected. And the council, when they changed that ordinance, they basically said, well, you know, we don't really think that that's exactly what the statute meant, and it gives us some wiggle room, and the judge agreed. And the only reason that the judge agreed, the judge actually said that the uh, the interpretation was kind of dumb. I mean, he didn't use those words, but that was in essence what he said. But he said he had to defer to the power of the city government to interpret the statute. Living and breathing. Like I've said before, living and breathing is dead. You would never want to have a living, breathing mortgage. Nobody would sign such a thing. You know, if the bank could come along and say, you know what, uh, Mike, uh, you know, we think that this uh, 5% interest rate that you have, that's a little too low. We're going to jack that up to 7 And and by the way, you're going to make two payments every month instead of one. Uh, because we think that uh, that's really what we meant by this mortgage language. No, nobody would accept that. How can you accept a living, breathing constitution? I've said it once. I'll say it again. Living and breathing is dead. Well, that's it for this episode of Thoughts from a Hairy Head. I appreciate you listening to the show. If you enjoyed it, do me a favor. Share it around. Put it on social media. Tell other people about it. Uh, you can subscribe to the show over on iTunes. won't cost you a dime. And uh, you can always contact me, michael.meharry at 10th Amendment Center.com. That's my email. You can find me on the Facebook. You can find me on the Twitter. And uh, again, I thank you for listening. And I will talk to you again the next time I talk to you. <laughs>